The views expressed here are those of the host and participating members and do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of King Yah Network. King Yah Speaks podcast is a powerful and indispensable show that is essential to our ongoing cultural dialogue. Listen in as he shines the light on social, economic, and criminal brutality that plagues blacks in America. King Yah Speaks is a full-circuit discussion that examines the origins, applications, and solutions to these relationship problems. Here are his nuggets of wisdom on how to cope and fight back. Now let's jump into your favorite podcast. All right. All right, everybody. I want to welcome you to our show. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Tracy Stanton, and she is a very phenomenal woman, an asset to the community. She's involved in quite a few different initiatives um, dealing uh, with social justice and uh, human rights. Uh, Tracy Stanton is currently a bail disruptor with the Bail Project. Uh, she'll come on and, and tell you guys a little bit more about that and what that means. Uh, prior to coming to the TBP, she was an employee of St. Louis University, where she is currently a student aiming to obtain a BA in social work. Tracy submerged herself in organizing to address the needs of her community. She's a board member with the Center for Women in Transition, a presenter with the Clark Fox Families Mass Incarceration Initiatives, a program facilitated with the Institute for Peace and Justice, and a member of XPO, that is, Ex-Incarcerated People Organizing. Tracy has taken a personal interest in assisting justice-involved individuals uh, transitioning to society because she was once in their position. Her personal involvement with the criminal justice system and addiction is what drives her to make a difference in uh, criminal justice reform, transformative justice, and fight against mass incarceration. She is, a, uh, she is also a poet and uses her art to address the injustices that take place in society. She is a survivor of the system and uh, it is her purpose to assist others in their journey. She is also um, just a very, very passionate person, I must add. Uh, she loves people. Uh, she speaks up and speaks out against injustice. And uh, I love her passion. Uh, I love her tenacity. I love her drive. She is just awesome. So with no further ado, we are going to bring Tracy Stanton on the line, and uh, she's going to tell you guys a little bit more about her, her, her past, what she's been through, and uh, where she is now, and where she's going. Hey, Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Hello, King. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for being here. We certainly appreciate that. So I hope I didn't do you a disservice with, uh, you know, my introduction, you know, because I could go on now if I need to. Because, <laughs> you know, your rap sheet, you got a positive rap sheet, right? And, and, like, I'm loving what I'm seeing on this rap sheet of yours. So. Yeah, that's not, I mean, yeah, that stuff is what I do, but it's way more to who I am. You know what I'm saying? We'll let titles sometimes define us, but that stuff is just who I've been for the last three years, but it took a long time <laughs> to get to that place. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, And that's what we really want to talk about. We want to talk about that journey that you went through, the hurt, the pain, the triumphs, and then we want to talk talk about where you are now with the whole 
um, uh, the bail project piece. You know, I know what it is, but our listeners probably don't know what it is. So uh, I really want to, this show is just about you. It's, it's all about you, your accomplishments, things that you have done. So we want to highlight you and just show you our appreciation for the work that you are doing in our community. So, you know, Black Fist Salute, Building Black Wall Street, one person at a time. And you definitely That's fit right. that bill. Black affinity, huh? That's your <laughs> black affinity. So I am Tracy Stanton. Um, I grew up uh, in uh, not a very stable household, uh, which a lot of people um, in our neighborhoods and our communities do, right? So I had experienced uh, about four different um, realms of trauma by the time I was 12 years old. So at, at seven, I witnessed uh, my brother deceased. Um, at nine, uh, my, my mother died. No, my mother died when I was 10. Um, by uh, then I had to move in with my father who was addicted to uh, drugs, right? Um, so by the time I was 12 years old, I uh, did what was normal. There was no therapy, uh, right? In the neighborhoods where we come from, it's usually uh, we shun therapy. We don't, that's not something that is revered um, in our community, right? So I did what anything that could take me away from the reality that I was experiencing, um, and that was weed that was weed alcohol um sex anything that could make me feel um different than the way that i was feeling right so um growing up in that in that household i was the dirty kid at school you know i was i was teased those type of things and i've always went to gifted schools like i got tested for uh gifted schools when i in the second grade um but i went to those schools and i didn't belong and then i came home to the neighborhood right reading these books and i didn't belong there so all my life i always sought to belong. I always sought to be picked. I always sought to be um, validated or appreciated because I didn't get those things nurtured to me growing up. And, and the cycle just transitioned. Although I always, like, maintain a certain amount of respect for myself in the beginning, uh, good jobs, things like that, but I, all, I never addressed the internal turmoil that kept me um, from being my best self, and I always used drugs. I've always used drugs, and over the years, they progressed, and they progressed, and they progressed um, until at the end, which was the end was basically I turned 35 in prison um it was like I couldn't run from I couldn't run from myself anymore um and it got pretty bad uh I was supervisor the dental department um I graduated high school early and went straight to college but I never fell through with those things because I kept I always had those layers and layers and layers of trauma that internal turmoil um just festering inside of me right so I could never tap into what I know was my greatness I've always had people say you know you're special those type of things but it doesn't matter what somebody tells you if you don't have it within yourself if you don't feel it within yourself, right, then, then it's not going to manifest. It's not going to manifest or take you to the next um, stage in life because you ha you're having your own roadblock, right? You're creating your own roadblock, and that's what I did for the majority of my life. Um, I always – it didn't matter as far as relationships were and friendships. It was just like, like me, love me, accept me. So I always was a chameleon and able to adapt to any environment or situation, but I was never true to myself. I never knew exactly what Tracy liked what Tracy wanted to do um, until uh, basically I got clean. Now, I've always written. I've written. I started writing at 12 years old because that was my only form of expression. That's the only place that I felt safe. That's the only place that I felt like I could really expose uh, my deepest, darkest secrets and not be judged. Um, so I've always written, but it took me until I came home from prison to actually get on a stage for the first time because I always – I always uh, – based my, my value on what other people thought of me, right, all my life. Um, and even today, right now, um, going through this process, 
it's still some healing, you know, going on because just because you stop using drugs, that's when the real work starts, you know what I'm saying? Or when you, whatever situation that you've, you've uh, found yourself in, because when we think about addiction, a lot of people just solely think about drugs, but there are so many things that people can be addicted to that take them to the same state of mind, the same, um, the same uh, pain that drugs do. And it's a, it's a, a facet. People don't even understand that they can be addicted to pain, addicted to negative behaviors, addicted to un, unhealthy relationships, because it makes them feel in that moment you're just seeking that instant gratification, right? And then later on when you're alone with yourself, you reflect on, on, on the things that you were just engaging in and you don't want to do them, but something just keeps telling you to. And that's how it was basically when I was using towards the end. It got really bad to the point where I was a streetwalker. You know, I, I, everything in the neighborhood I was accustomed to, I've sold drugs. Um, I've, I've lived in Lake St. Louis and altered my voice, uh, all, you know, like raised your octave in your voice so I could fit in with them. I've always been uh, a chameleon, like I said. So it got really bad in the end. I went from selling drugs to doing the same drugs that I sold in the neighborhood on the west side of St. Louis, and it was normal. Like, that was normal because that is what the environment encompassed, right? Everybody in the environment was doing it. And so when I looked up one day, it's like one day I was selling drugs, and I, you know, thought I was uh, like this big, you know, big shot person or whatever, and then the next day I was literally outside walking the streets with the same women that I used to sell drugs to. Um, to the point where, like, my family, uh, they were putting missing flyers of me up, and I never went around my family because I felt like I was doing them a favor um, uh, by not coming around, right, because I didn't want them to see me like that. And some, somehow in my mind it told me that I'm protecting them. When I, I found out later within doing some soul searching and speaking to them and going through treatment and everything like that, that I caused them the same pain by disassociating myself from them, right? Because now they're worried. Don't even know, they don't even know if I'm alive or, or anything like that. So that was my life. Uh, and, they, and I started using the heavier drugs when I was 33. Like I said, I was always able to put on the front, right? And, and plenty of us do. And it doesn't have to be with, with narcotics or with drugs, but a lot of people hold that pain within themselves and they walk around like that, like everything is okay, but just don't know that avoidance is really what causes the extension of pain. It's not until you can recognize what's going on, you can pin, pinpoint it, you can address it, that you can that you're able to get the help, right? So um, at 35, I was not like I had plenty of times where I was like, okay, I'm going to get clean. You know, I know that I'm better than this. Um, I know that I could do much more. But the uh, my inability to stop using drugs had just it, the obsession just took over. You know, it's every every time I had a moment of clarity, it was like, okay, I'm gonna stop. And then something would happen that would just draw me right back into the cycle, right back into the situation. Um, and so I actually. I ended up getting a drug possession uh, charge, and within that time, the police had kicked in the house where we were selling the drugs out of, and I got sent to prison. Um, now, before then, I went, I cycled in and out the workhouse um, like four times within six months, and every time that I went in, I had the strongest desire to not use. I had the strongest desire to change my life. I had the strongest desire to do what was right. I prayed. I read the Bible. I did all of these things, right? But it, but as soon as I hit the ground, my feet went back to the same familiar place because that's where I was accepted at. No matter what it looks like on the outside, when people think about people that are stuck in the um, in the cycles of addiction, they just they just put their judgment off, but they don't understand what the people are actually going through, right? 
So even though this may be something that's hurting me and, and something that's causing me all this pain and agony, but when you go in that neighborhood, the things that, you're, that you've been seeking a lot of times for the majority of your life are in that neighborhood. So familiar faces, right, um, adoration, um, um, love, even though they might seem a little twisted, but these are the people that when they see you, they smile, when you know that they're going to be over there on the corner. And a lot of us didn't have that in our family dynamics growing up, you know what I'm saying? So it was like that was a safe space for me, although it was the, a, a harmful, although I was creating myself so much harm. Um, but like I said, I always knew that I had some type of gift. I've always had that. I just cannot tap into it. So um, at 30, Four, I was standing outside on um, because I'm literally the women that you see outside, right? So mm -hmm. within making this transition, I just want the my main thing is for people to understand that I'm not a, although I'm special, I'm not an anomaly, right? And that community is what helped heal me, right? The um, right. collaboration of different community organizations, and that's what it takes for for a team of people to pour into the people. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't jail that healed me because I went back and forth, but it was when I when I left jail and was able to go to uh, Center for Women in Transition, which now, you know, I'm a board member there, that I was able to heal and become this woman that I am today. Um, you know, and, that's, and, that's, that's beautiful that you mentioned that. And, um, you know, you, you have been through quite a lot in your life and in your journey. And it's because of your past that you're able to speak so passionate about your experiences and offer that healing to other young women and other young men that are going through what you are going through, right? I hear it in your voice. I hear uh, the resilience. You are a resilient person. And, and, and I see how you have made transitions in your life through your words, through your work. I mean, it's resonating through the phone. Like, I, I feel that, and I respect and I honor uh, you and admire you for what you have done and what you are accomplishing because you're not done yet. You're just at the beginning stages and phases of Tracy Stanton. Like, this is just the beginning for you. This is just a new beginning for you. So you are just learning to live. And I can relate because i also been in prison. You know what I mean? So uh, a lot of us are still in prison, the prisons of our minds, and we haven't gotten over that, right? Um, yeah. so, so being a, a former abuser myself of, of marijuana and alcoholism, um, you know, I can relate, you know, to what you're talking about, to what you're, what you're going through or what you went through um, with, with that drug of choice, right? Um, yeah. I didn't get into the heavy stuff at all, uh, but an addiction is an addiction, and you're right about yeah. that, right? It's like abuse is abuse, right? Um, mm -hmm. so, so we have to, sometimes we, we go to that safe place and we go to that place that we see as a safe haven because that's what we're used to. Right. And when you come yeah. from an environment of a family where you don't receive, feel like you're receiving love and respect, then you're going to seek that elsewhere, you know, whether you have a loving family or not, but they just don't display that towards you or you don't feel like you're getting that level of love respect and attention, then yeah, you're right. You're going to go out there and seek it elsewhere. Yeah. And and unfortunately, the streets are always there to receive you when you are ready yes. to, you know, to, to <laughs> walk their life. They will never turn you down. Definitely. Okay? Yeah. So, you know, through all of that, that, that hurt, the pain, going through and fighting um, with the drug addiction, um, your life, and, and being in prison three three times, uh, how uh, you mentioned that it wasn't the prison that really changed you. It was you coming out, and that's different. You got a different 
expand on the story because usually when people go to prison or when they go to the university or when they go to jail, then you know they they develop these these habits or or, or, or they change and break the habits that they once had, right? And they come out like a Malcolm X or you know not all of them, but they they come out right, right, know, right. <laughs> I mean, right, they come out rehabilitated, right? And so yours was completely different. He was like, no, I'm free now, and I'm going to change this lifestyle. So you understood that you had to, no matter whether you were in or out, you had to change your people, your your, your environment, um, your relationships, yes. and you yes. have to change that. Because if you don't change that, then you're just going to continue to repeat that cycle. So I get it, you know, soul brother. I get Definitely. it. Definitely. Sure. So it was basically like um, – when the so I went to prison once. I went to uh, the workhouse jail three times, right? And what I had noticed because I started to learn myself once I once I went to um, prison, um, I had that was probably the longest amount of substantial clean time that I had, right? Um, because like I told you before, I've always had like a spiritual um, inclination uh, to things, but it was just suffocated, right, <laughs> by everything else. But it, in this time, I started watching my patterns, right? Because I showed myself that previously, every time I got out, I went back there, right? So I said, okay, in order for me to do something different, I have to do something different, right? <laughs> I can't do the same thing because we will manipulate ourselves into doing something that we know is not beneficial for us because we will, because the phrase, you know, the phrase that we grow up with, I can handle it. You know what I'm saying? I can handle it will kill you. I can handle it will kill you. I can handle it is the reason why people do not address mental health issues, the reason why people do not express their emotions, the reason why people do not um, to seek therapy because we always, we've been, we grew up with this in, in our society and in our culture with this I can handle it mentality. <clears throat> so, so showing vulnerability is a weakness. You know, it, it, I'm grateful that nowadays people are able to express themselves um, and it's not being, becoming so taboo to be emotional. Um, emotionally um, in touch with your, well, to be in touch with their emotions. But it wasn't until, like, I had that time, and I'm like, you know what, I can't do this by myself because my track record has shown that every time I got out, I did so. I said, you know what, I prayed, and I said, let me try to find something different, and I found the organization. Um, and when they let me, when they told me that, hey, we're going to let you in this organization, you'll be here for a year, the only thing that I had to, to worry about as far as uh, my basic human needs being met was, Nothing. They gave me a, a, a place to live. They gave me a food cart. They gave me a, a bus pass, right? Um, and I knew in the moment that they told me that I would be able to um, go there, that my life was going to change significantly. Significantly. Um, it, it, even at the at the um, prison, I've always had this this amazing energy. I've always been the positive one. I've always been the one that people come to and seek to for advice. It's just I could not implement those things into my own life. You know what I mean? And you know, we all are very well at that. We have the perfect advice to give our loved ones. We have the perfect advice to give our friends. But when it comes time for us to kind of take that same advice, it's a little bit of a, a, a disassociation with it. You know what I mean? Because we have that I can handle it mentality. So um, coming home, uh, I got introduced to that, that program, but not only that program, I went to a community-based organization, treatment center as well. And the power of identification and, and relatability, right, the power of you are not alone is what really propelled me to accept everything that I had did, everything that I have done, because you, have, you can only imagine I was a sex worker. 
you know what I'm saying, outside in, in St. Louis. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people that have drove down uh, Dr. Martin Luther King or Grand or whatever the case, they have seen me, you know, if it, it was if it was between 2016, the beginning of 2017. You know what I'm saying? And I don't say that as anything. Um, I say that just for the one, for the people that are ashamed of the things that they have done, um, and two, for, for so that I can accept it within myself, right? Um, and the transparency, which I which I definitely know now, dealing with women that are making the transition, is that that's what allows people the freedom to express their own truth. So when I first came on, I started telling people, it's not that I wanted to tell people that, it's that God placed it upon my heart that I had to. Because when people see me now, when they see me doing all these things, they have no idea of of the journey that it took me to get here. And what I want them to know is that, um, I'm no different, right, than the same people. So the same empathy or the same reverence that you have for me now, I want you to have it for the person that you see walking down the street that's lost. You know what I mean? So when I came home and I went to that community-based uh, treatment center and I, and I got into a, another uh, program and really started working on myself, it was like magical. This is the first time I've ever been in recovery, the first time I've ever had this amount of clean time since I was 12 years old. You know what I'm saying? 12 years old, um, and the life that I live now is amazing, but I also feel like, not feel like, I also know through my bones that it does not, this does not belong to me, right? I, um, I have acquired the necessary spiritual principles. I have acquired the necessary um, healthy habits, whether it be mentally, physically, emotionally, um, in order to live this life, right? But if I do that and I don't reach back and help the people that are lost like me, it was like it'll be like a slap in the face to the creator, and that's just my personal opinion. So that's why I deal like so deeply. You'll be doing yourself and them a disservice because we have to reach back. We have to give back, right? If we've been, you know, on the other side of the world, man, we have an obligation to to prevent others from traveling that same path that we have, right? So it's each one teach one or reach one teach one. Um, you know, we we just got to do that, like you know. Otherwise, it it will devastate us. Like I know for me, you know, when I got out, it, it was like, man, I got to help these people. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to work for these youth. I got to, you know, I did enough time where I'm like, man, should nobody ever have to get locked up again? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 But uh, definitely. Real talk, though, it's good that you have that type of energy and that you're able to, you know, um, speak truth to power and then also um let people know, hey, there's hope. But yeah. I have a past, and you can't be discriminating against these people because that those people was me, and those people are me, right? Those are my people. Yes. They're my people. <laughs> they're my I mean? people. So, that's, a, that's my right, favorite my, phrase whenever exactly. I see somebody. Yeah. In casual conversations, yeah. I'll be around people that don't know my past, and they'll bring it up, you know, or they'll say, oh, did you see? I'm like, oh, they're my people, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're my that's people. Right. That's right. That's right, because we are no different, right? There are no big eyes and little U's, and we get this so we get this fake we put on this fake facade or wear these masks as if you know we're holier than thou, right? And then you know mm-hmm. you got the click the click throughout the, the you know the, the different regions, and it's like if you're not part of this club, if you're not part of that group, or you're not part of this, then you know yeah, or if you're from Illinois, you're not from here, or if you're from we gotta get away from that. That's childish. That's stagnation, and I don't. We don't need to be surrounding ourselves with those type of people, right? Because them, That's not right. my people. Right. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but again, you know, just want to say, you know, I, I appreciate you and proud of you. It's commendable what you have done. You actually sought the work. You wanted help, and you, you went out there and you searched for it, and you didn't stop. And like you said, 
sometimes all you need is a, a three hots and a cotton. You good to go. You can handle the rest because there's nothing there's nothing more uh, in life valuable than your peace of mind. And though you did yeah. not have your own place, you had your own place because mentally, spiritually, you were evolving, and that's all you need. You need to be around truth. You need to be around wholeness. You need to be around people that were going to motivate, encourage, and strengthen you, and that was your home. So you use those tools that was already within you. You mentioned in exactly. the community, sitting in, right? throughout life, and so you knew how to adapt. You've been to prison three times. You knew um, where to expect, right? Uh, but you also knew that that was going to be your lifestyle forever and that you were ready and willing for change. And that's what you have to be. You have to be ready and willing to change. A lot of folk are not ready or willing to change, and that's what that's we true. need to see in our communities. And if we can't have that in our communities, Tracy, by all means, we have to make that happen in our communities. Yes. We have to be accountable for what's going on in our communities. And if they don't want to be a part of our community because of their, 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 their thoughts, their, their actions, right, then move them out. You got to get That's them out. That's right. Period. That's right. That's right. And so, we, so, we have a responsibility. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We have a huge responsibility. I have a responsibility to you. You have a responsibility to me. We have a responsibility yes. to the community. We have a, a, a greater responsibility to the world. So as I sit back and I listen to your story, as I as I as I listen to um, what resonated with my spirit, and uh, just listening to you, uh, what you've gone through, being in a workhouse, you know, and uh, I'm glad that you you spoke out against the workhouse because you know what I I remember um, hearing something about um, the workhouse, and I was like, yes, yeah, I'm time to get shut down because the workhouse ain't. It ain't on nothing. The cameras don't even work. People get away with murder. People get away with all types of stuff up in there. They don't care. You know what I mean? It's just there to right. be um, just a racketeering money. That's it. So I'm yeah. glad you yeah. wrote a piece about um, closure and insightful. Uh, and the closure is insightful. The workhouse now the real work begins. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to kind of uh, touch base on that for a little bit and, and talk about the legislation uh, to close the workhouse. So. How did you get involved with doing that, and what what piqued your interest in in, uh, in that initiative? Okay, well, um, so like I said, what, I have three areas of focus since I um, came home and I and I was able to transition into this amazing life, right? Um, because I feel like these are the three areas that kind of um, that really hindered me in my life. So the addiction, um, but also uh, mass incarceration, right? Because we think about our communities. Um, we think about how, who mass incarceration affects and, and the effects that it has had on our communities and our people, um, right? So I'm very, 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 very heavily involved with people that are reentering back into society and criminal justice reform because I believe that that is one of the detrimental factors that is playing in our neighborhood. Um, the fact, of course, you know, because we're stripped of resources and things like that. So um, funny story was I was working at St. Louis University with my felony conviction. Um, they allowed me uh, to work there, and I went there with the um, and so that I can go to school for free. Well, in that process, I was doing all these things in the community, and I was like, you know, um, 
make it $12.62 an hour, and that's great, you know what I'm saying, if you're transitioning back into society, but that's not a livable wage, right? And a lot of people, I, I've been to college, I have skills. A lot of people have these skills that, are, that have been incarcerated, and, and they are not, those skills are not being able to be utilized because they have this stigma stitched on them, right? And so that, that defeats people. There's so many different disenfranchisements put in place for people that are trying to uh, get their life back in order, and it's just another form of, of ostracization ostracizing us um, and, and condemning us, um, and we already know that the prison system primarily affects people of color. So um, so I'm heavy invested in, I wouldn't say criminal justice reform because I don't believe that the current criminal justice can be reformed, but um, I'll say in restructuring right. say the that justice again. system. <laughs> okay, because it doesn't need to be reformed. It's working exactly the way okay. that, that it was set up and intended to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that was just right. fine, like a well-oiled machine. You understand what I'm saying? So anyway, I was uh, one thing that I've acquired since I made this transition was the ability to speak, uh, was courage, right? So the ability to speak and be my authentic self. And one day I was at a um, tea shop, right? Um, I'm, the power of manifestation is real because I just previously like sat with a group of amazing women and we all manifested things that we wanted in the new year. And this was in December. So I had a conversation. Oh, I was at the tea shop, uh, black owned tea shop, Teetopia plug um, on Cherokee. But uh, I was at the tea shop and I seen this, this guy who was then a stranger coming to the tea shop and I had noticed him from different community events. And, uh, because I got courage now, right, because I have, a, a, you know, a little self-esteem about myself, you know what I mean? I believe in myself. I have the ability to walk up and talk to strangers about things that really, um, that really uh, mean a lot to me, right? So I, I just went and asked him if I could have a conversation with him. And, at the, and I started having a conversation with him in regards to the group that I'm a, a part of, which is Expo and uh, Ex-Incarcerated People Organizing. And I told him the same story that I just told you, right, because that um, – I'm not ashamed of it at all. Um, it's me. It's who I am. And at the end of that conversation, he said, I'm going to give you a job. And so that's, I was astonished, amazed, scared. Um, this was a different, like, type of uh, thing for me, right? And that's how I got involved with the Bell Project. So the Bell Project, um, in collaboration with Action uh, St. Louis and Our City Defenders, created the campaign of uh, Close the Workhouse. And it's funny because two years ago, because this is like close to three years now, two years ago when I was at that transitional house, um, the Close the Workhouse campaign actually came there to kind of spread the word that this is what they were trying to do. At that time, I was, I was interested, but I was definitely most interested in getting myself healthy, right, getting myself stable. So I didn't want to jump into any uh, type of organizations or things like that at that time, but I knew that that was my road. Um, but I was still, like, trying to make sure that I was going to stay clean, okay? You know what I'm saying? And just getting myself together. So I started working at the workhouse. I mean, I started working at the Bell Project. And um, I've been working there since January, and I have the uh, privilege of uh, going to pay bonds for people that are held in pretrial detention. Um, if you know anything about jail versus prison, you're held in pretrial detention for a lengthy amount of time because you don't have money to pay bail, right? Um, and and mm -hmm. excessive bail. Violation is, uh, of due process. Violation of, yeah, exactly. It's a violation of your Eighth Amendment because you have a right to a speedy trial and not to excessive bail, right? And so um, what we do is we, we, we not only bail them out of jail um, and don't ask for any monetary, they don't have any monetary assist, incentive of their own, but we provide them with the resources that they need to make that transition successful, right, to make sure that they get back and forth to court. So we have a community support model. Um, and so the people that are 
cycling in and out or whatever. I'm able to be there with them, talk them through the situation, share my story with them. These are my people, right? Like we were just saying, these are my people. So um, it's like this is exactly where I need to be. So that's how I got affiliated with that's the right. campaign. Um, yeah, that's how I got affiliated with the campaign, and that's how I, I – um, I was able to share my story about the workhouse, um, about the um, indignities that's going on in it. Uh, when I was, and my brother actually mm-hmm. died in the workhouse, um, and in the oh, article, wow. I was mistreated. Yeah, I was mistreated in the workhouse. So it's like being a part of these amazing group of organizers that were literally hitting the ground, having meetings every week, going to press, doing door knocks. I'm talking about they really, 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 the community did that. You know what I'm saying? Like the community and the people yeah. of the community did that. And that is when I think that is when I really noticed the power of community. Because my truth is before this year, I have never voted. My truth is before mm. this year, of, I have never voted. I never felt like in my current, um, in my current, like what was right here in front of me, that it was applicable to my life, right? That it would make a difference in, in the situation right. or the circumstances that I was in. And see, that's another form of voter suppression, and we'll get into that because I'm also working on a campaign, yes. campaign called Un- Unlock the Vote with Expo Missouri. But so that's how I got affiliated <laughs> with the Bill Project. Um, and they literally, they literally emptied out the workhouse. You know what I'm saying? Literally emptied out the workhouse and mm-hmm. um they, and they just kept pushing and they just kept pushing i'm grateful to be to have a small part in such a a, a, a big huge um project yes yes Man. i'm grateful so grateful Beautiful. <laughs> good so we know about your past uh we know uh what you have been working on what what now um, you know, what next? Oh, man. So what's next? Okay. Um, definitely. So I'm a poet as well. So definitely my poetry. I'm a pretty good poet. I'm pretty, you know, kind of known a little bit for my words. Um, so I actually want to implement a couple of programs um, that I'm working on right now. Right now I'm taking uh, – I'm actually going to school at St. Louis University, but I'm also taking a very, very, very rigorous Congrats. coaching and well-being um, – thank you – coaching and well-being uh, training because I want to be able to implement uh, those different, the healthy, overall healthy well-being lifestyle into my community, right, and create these programs of my own that I could touch the people that needed to be touched, right? And, I, and although I have the lived experience and I have the spiritual, I'm spiritually inclined, but um, also having, like, some knowledge as far as educational with psychology and things like that would just only make it better. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot, like, remember the name, because <laughs> uh, it's going down, basically. Oh, you in a book. You in that book of life. You in that Lamb's book of life. So you good. Tracy Stanley, yeah. you, you good. We we got you. We got you. Yeah. So uh, I'm just, again, I'm just, uh, I'm just proud of you. Congratulations. Uh, listening to you is really like a reflection of listening to, to myself. Uh, uh, some of the stuff that I've gone through, you've gone through it. We've, we've got a similar background. And uh, I love the way that our, our spirits mesh and how we got in contact with each other. It was like, uh, yeah. you know, it was it was like, you know, we hit it off. Like, yeah, let's do this. Let's make this happen. Like, the energy is just good. And, and I just yeah. wanted to let you know that you are welcome on our show uh, anytime. This is your show, sister. You know, this is your Thank show. You. Thank I'm you, brother. You Thank know you. This is your show. Yeah. Um, you're, you're powerful. You have a powerful voice in the community. Um, you speak truth, and uh, God is definitely with you. 
um, I think it's important that you um, that you embrace uh, the gifts that you have. You mentioned when you were incarcerated, um, people would come to you for advice and they would talk to you. You, you know, um, uh, be that mentor for them. But then, you know, when it came to your own personal life, like you know, we go through. <laughs> yeah. We, we good advice. Come to time as like. Uh, yeah, you know why you just give me sand to eat for breakfast? You know, like right, you know, that <laughs> right. That ain't cool. Now I want some eggs and some waffles and some. Well, maybe not because I'm vegan. Maybe not some eggs, but yeah, me too. Uh, maybe not them waffles. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? But, but being a vegan and all, it's like no, no, no. But you know, having a real conversation with yourself. You know, Michael Jackson said it best when he said, "I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the man in the mirror." You know, I'm asking him to change his ways. And so that's what we have to do. We have to look at the man or woman in the mirror, and we have to demand that we change our ways. Um, uh, one, one thing that was that was that that you pointed out was, you know, addiction, and having strongholds over us. Uh, um, I went through a phase where I was smoking cigarettes, you know, and and mm-hmm. uh, smoked cigarettes. I quit cold three times, but before I got out, I was 18 years old, and I decided, you know, before I get out, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop smoking cigarettes. I'm gonna stop whatever negative bad habits I thought I had, or I identified that I had that I wanted to correct. I did that. Like I quit smoking cigarettes, cold turkey, in ISO, in yeah. isolation, segregation, the whole. You know, we know what we're talking about, but for those that are listening, like, what's ISO? What's what's isolation? What's segregation? Right, 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 right. So <laughs> that's our uh, language. <laughs> you know, right, right. Uh, lockdown, <laughs> but uh, right. single man cell, twenty three and one, uh, Confinement. You know, coming out twenty four seven. You know, locked up twenty four, <laughs> right. coming out one. On the bridge. On the bridge. On the bridge. Okay. Right. Right. They don't know. That one. They don't Fair understand point. that life, like playing football on Fox, okay? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, uh, 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 yeah, we, anyway, we, we had some conversation. I'll tell you, this ain't going to be the last time I'll tell you, but we had some conversation. But, yeah, you have to really come to grips with who you are and overcoming those strongholds, overcoming those those op- obstacles in your life, right? So when I quit yeah. smoking cigarettes, I became – and then I picked up, I low-key picked up coffee for a hot mm-hmm. second. Just Substitution. Like a second. I didn't like the taste of it. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? No. But I came vegan, like, instantly, like, overnight. Like, I stopped eating, I wasn't eating pork anyway. I stopped eating beef first. Then I stopped eating fish. Then I stopped eating chicken, mm-hmm. fried chicken. And then I stopped eating baked chicken because, you know, they would serve us baked and fried. So then I stopped, uh-huh, like, in a yeah. month, I was good. It was done. Yeah. I wouldn't eat none of that. But then I slept more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I slept more yeah. because my body was yeah. in right? And so this yeah. is what we have to go through. Some of us can stop cold turkey, but some of us, it takes a moment for us to Perfect. realize the effect. 28 to 30 days, it's a process. It takes the body, the psyche, between yes. 28 yes. and 30 days to go a new cycle, to flush and cleanse and make whole again. So your body begins to repair itself from the turmoil, Absolutely. from the hurt, from the pain, Absolutely. from the misery, from all 
that, right? So you have to go through a brainwashing, a washing of your mind in order to become right. that stronger right. man or woman that you that you need to be in order to metamorphosize into that God that God is, right? That's a That's whole right. other conversation. That's it's right. So That's a whole other, and we could do that because, you know, I'm about that life too. And I, and I just want to say, right, so yes. listen, I, uh, all of those things, because I was addicted to any and everything outside of me to make me feel good, because there was a time I was addicted to food, too, right? So there was, I was a big girl growing up, too, but I was addicted to everything, all to be able to make this transition and be t- detached from all of those things, like the cigarettes, the weed, the liquor. I, like, I don't literally do anything. And it's like you said, it's a change of mindset, because what we will do, we will trick ourselves into re- thinking that we're rewarding ourselves with things that are unhealthy for us, right? So it's a whole different mm-hmm. shift of mindset, you know what I mean, and a, a spiritual shift as well as to to really trying to be like your highest self, your best self, and you want to be as healthy as you can in every area of your life. Am I perfect? No. But every day I strive to love myself. And if you love yourself, you will at least attempt to be disciplined because self-discipline is one of the highest forms of self-love. You know what I mean? And that's whether whether you're being disciplined with your eating, whether you're being, being disciplined with yourself, with your emotions, right, with your conversation, whether you're being disciplined in any of those areas. It's a whole change and shift of mindset about what really, what is it really to be healthy, right? What is it really to be healthy? What is it really to be, like uh, someone asked me today, um, uh, what do I do about cheat days? And then they, they were so they were, they were, my, my, my response was, why would I cheat myself? Cheating myself was something that's going to kill me. Like, it was right. just a whole now, different mindset. I hold it right there. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back. You guys are listening to Kenya Speaks Network, and uh, on our show today is Tracy Stanton, a very phenomenal sister. Uh, we'll be back with more. Thank you so much. Ready to pay off debts? Thinking about buying a home? Do you have a student loan problem? Individuals facing financial difficulties experience very different situations. That's why CreditCardScore.online is here to help you determine the best way to approach your situation with outstanding credit counseling service options. Learn how to dispute inaccurate, erroneous, and obsolete information on your credit report. Begin to restore or rebuild credit immediately with our secured credit card. Start establishing positive credit history that will improve your credit score today. Go to our website, creditcardscore.online. Ladies and gents, discover the shoe design that makes your style pop and come alive. Want a custom shoe for a special event? Check us out, kaicollections.com. Follow us on Instagram at kaicollections, K-A-A-E collections. Do you have a story to tell, experiences or wisdoms that are begging to be shared, or just great show topic ideas? Let us know. Email us, Kenya Speaks, K-I-N-G-Y-A Speaks, at gmail.com. Follow us on your favorite social media platform. Write a review on iHeartRadio and Apple iTunes. You can find us wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, I am excited to say that Tracy Stan is in the building. She is with us. Tracy, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. So on this Blacktastic Day, uh, let's talk about Black Wall Street, building Black Wall Street one person at a time. Um, with everything that's going on, Tracy, what are your thoughts and views on 
building Black Wall Street? Uh, how do we keep the monies in our communities? How do we support the black communities uh, and, and alter and change the current climate, in your opinion? So in my opinion, first of all, like I said, um, first of all, we need to, it's a lot of things when it comes to, um, well, let me say, a lot of things that have been uh, implemented into our minds, right, a mindset that uh, a lot of stereotypes, that have been embedded in our mind when it comes to us dealing with black businesses opposed, opposed from us dealing with anybody that else is not black, right? We hold these people to such a different regard than we hold our own people to when it comes to dealing with black businesses. We already go in with a different mindset. We go in um, uh, wanting discounts. We go in, if we, if we even do go in, because our the history of slavery, right, has us, whether it's so deeply rooted, believing that black is, is, is worse, white is better, right? So if you have a lot of people, if you have a, a product and it could be the same product, your mind sometimes will tell you that this product is better, right, um, because it's not coming from an African-American. It's sad, but it's true, and that's the truth, and that's something that we really need to um, realize. But I think first um, financial literacy, right, educating, um, cooperative uh cooperative economics, so actually coming together. We have, such, we have this individualistic mindset because we don't trust, you know, because of our uh, previous experiences that we don't trust. But if we can all create that unity and literally, like, buy these blocks or put our, all our money in to buy this building or to create this, 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 this business or, or go on this business venture, um, that's how every other uh, – uh, culture does it right. So you see the uh, the Arabic people. They come in the neighborhoods, and if they if they if that family doesn't have the funds to furnish that store or that gas station, the other people in the community that are already here will funnel that will fund that money for them, and then they pay them back. The Asians, when it comes to the beauty supplies, like every every other organization. I mean, every other uh, culture. I've always talked about organizations. Every other culture is able to implement that because they have that to have that unity, right? And we lack that unity because we are ripped apart from our cultural uh, essence, the essence of our culture. Um, and, and, and over, over, over a, a time period, um, it has manifested ourselves in division and in, 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 in the individualistic mindset. So first, the mindset has to change to where it's not just about me, right? So if it's about you, it's about me. Right, so if you come up, I come up, we come up. So it has to be first a shift in mindset, financial literacy, and unity and trust. Right, because uh, we don't trust, so that's going to keep us from even wanting to merge together and do business. Right. So I definitely think the cooperative uh, economics um, and and getting educated on on what what business actually looks like, and then also um, the mindset. So when we think, uh, and I'm not going to say we. When I say we, I say me, right? Because I'm still I'm transitioning. Um, so there's different levels of businesses, right? So our minds are not ex- is that it's expanded to all the resources that are available out here. You know what I mean? As far as learning how to use credit to build revenue, you know what I mean? To build wealth, right? Um, 
they've been doing it, and I say they, you know who I'm talking about, they've been doing it since the beginning of time, right? Uh, but when we think business, we don't think mass business. We don't think residual income, um, passive income, where I don't have to be there. We think more on a small business, um, which nothing's wrong with small business. I don't, I'm, a, I'm aspiring right now to get a small business, so I can get a bigger business, right, to so where I can duplicate, duplicate myself, and I don't have to trade my time for money. You know what I'm saying? That I have, I delegate that task. So now I could be over here building something, and then I delegate that task because your time is what's valuable, right? So um, changing right. your mindset, you get getting back. educated. Yeah, you don't get that back. You don't get that back. And as long as you're in a small business, you're trading your time for that for the money, right? It's still a small business. But when you get into the the different stages, which I aspire to get into by building programs where I can then. Um, teach someone else how to do that same skill, right? And I can go over here, build it over here, and then I can teach someone else to do that same skill. That's what I want, what I, that's mm-hmm. what I aim to do with my coaching and well-being um, programs or whatever. So um, just changing Beautiful. the mindset, trusting each other, getting educated, and actually just coming up with a solid group of people where you all can come together and invest your money into this project. That's right. And, and, and your, then, mind, in your mind. Of a meeting of the mind. In your mind. Because, and you yeah, know, yeah, my my success is what I said. Your success is my success. Let me say it again. Exactly. Tracy, my success is your success. Exactly. And your success is my success. And once we start operating like that as black people, as black folk, then we'll realize that, right? So we have yeah. a moral and spiritual obligation to help free us, to help free our minds. We're all born free. We're all human beings. We have human rights that can't ever be taken away from us civil rights they they give us the title of civil rights and what do they do mm-hmm. they take those rights away from us right mm-hmm. so we have Definitely. to be at a point where we are cognizant and really understand what's going on but tracy uh in closing what's your message to our youth there's a young lady out there a young man out there hearing this story for the very first time what's your message of hope for them before we uh in closing you are not your situation. You are not your circumstance. Every day that you wake up, you have breath in your body. You have a choice to create the life it is that you want. Do not let outside barriers create an internal, an internal blockage. There are, this is an abundant life, and there are abundant amount of resources, and you just have to tap into them. And you can have whatever life it is that you want, no matter your situation, circumstances. And, and the second thing is open your mouth and ask for help. Okay, good. So in closing, what, what were your final words um, in closing for our listeners? And, okay. and also, mm-hmm. you definitely got to plug your social media. Like, where can they find you at? Like, we need to know that. Okay, okay, okay. Well, well I'll start with um, my social media handles. I am Tracy Stanton on Facebook. That's T-R-A-C-Y-S-T-A-N-T-O-N. And I'm on, on uh, Instagram. Uh, that's my poetry page. Uh, uh, so on Instagram, I am T-Spirit, S-P-I-S-P-I-R-I-T, 2019. 